Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm the official Halloween 6 of this podcast. There's gotta be a better cut of me somewhere. Oh, I mean him, Alex. And I'm Britton, uh, feeling kind of bad for my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Alex recently celebrated a birthday, so I think we are getting the prime cut of the Alex steak. I- I'm That's just glad right, you ladies. didn't say. I'm glad you didn't say the producer's cut. The producer's I mean, cut. I'm, I'm a step above that, so at least there's <laughs> right. That. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're the producer's cut in that you are like the film, the producers, and you're not hmm. putting your own money in the show. Ah. That's what Alex yells at us at every production meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so I was thinking about uh, maybe redoing the logo. Never put your own money, etc. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then every time you put me on the spot with a question, I'm like, no, you make me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in hysterics and I'm wet. <laughs> um. Uh, let's talk about that movie. <laughs> More quotes about the producers movie I have not seen. Um, yeah. Uh, on a serious note, real quick. Yes. Uh, the news came out on the day that we're recording this that Norm MacDonald has passed away. Rest in peace. He was one of my favorite comedians. Uh, go on YouTube and look up any number of compilations with him. The ones that I particularly enjoy are his appearances on Conan's show uh their banter is wonderful and he always is just very quick-witted and uh very charming even if he's uh constantly <laughs> insulting people in very interesting <laughs> ways but yeah he was he was great and and he will definitely be missed and and i i, I was very sad to hear that news yeah i it's very hard to be upset by his passing when people are constantly posting all of the really hilarious things he's said and done um i feel like all of social media has become inundated today with uh post of their like favorite clips of him from conan from anywhere and everywhere um yeah just just uh, a hilarious man and a legend in a lot of ways um really sad to see him go but also uh really heartwarming to see how many people are like immediately pouring out how much they just completely loved him um so yeah yeah i i really in a a rare moment i am not as i mean i know who he is i'm not super familiar with his work outside of what everybody knows the snl appearances and burt reynolds and and all Mm -hmm. that and i i i I have seen uh mckenzie davis's one appearance on conan which was basically the courtney thorne smith interview uh remixed (laughs) um (laughs) as norm is also there and it is quite something um but yeah it has been i mean this is we are hours out from from the news breaking but like immediately i just saw tons of people talking about him and, and it's it's clear how I, he, he always struck me as a very niche comedian but now i'm seeing like oh he, there's a lot of people especially people who worked in comedy and who worked with him who were clearly very very fond of him like i know he and conan were really close and i love conan so yeah it's uh it's a heck of a thing i didn't even know he had cancer which apparently he's been battling it for like six years, nine years. Yeah, like he, no, nobody really knew he apparently was very specifically trying to hide it because sure, he didn't sure. want people oh, yeah, to my business or treat him differently in terms of yeah his approach to comedy, obviously, and like he wanted people to continue treating him normally. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a heck of a thing. 
this is yeah this second week in a row we we open up talking about a beloved figure and then like have to go okay well then how do we gracefully transition <laughs> into did. talking about i was gonna say speaking of a heck of a thing um yeah <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of a wonderful hmm. comedy <laughs> Uh, yeah, this and week, derailment. We're we're talking about uh, Halloween: The Curse of Michael Myers. Uh, mostly the producer's cut, but we'll also be addressing the theatrical cut. Yep. Um. So I, I guess they just decided to drop the sixth because whatever. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I I decided just based on my knowledge of the series that it would be best for Britain and Tyler to not have to suffer through both cuts of this movie. Um. Especially because. The choices made, regardless of the cut, are uh, we get very mixed results here. But I, I thought that the producer's cut would be the best option. I know for you know for the most part, when we do movies that have kind of multiple cuts, we tend to go for the extended version or you know whatever seems to offer more material to kind of look at and review. But in this case, um, the producer's cut apparently is the preferred version. Uh, despite all of its shortcomings and, you know, towards the end of the episode, I can get into the differences between that and the theatrical cut because I did actually watch both of them within a 24 hour span. So that was that was an experience. But uh, yeah, we will be focusing on the producer's cut for the majority of the episode. So, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like when um, a really cool male date orders uh, his date's food meal for her. And we were like, oh, I think I might watch the theatric. And before we could even finish it, Alex turned to the video service and said, they'll have the producer's cut. And then he looked <laughs> and then he looked at us over his menu and said, it's lighter. And then I just felt like really bad, but kind of intrigued, you know, like he's negging me. I don't know. <laughs> Lot to unpack there. In a way. Speaking of. In a, yeah. Speaking of negging, um, this what, movie. What are the, what are the scores? Know, <laughs> For the just, just negging yeah. something, the producer's cut is lighter, and in that it has like ten minutes of additional footage. Well, it's it's, fiber. it's longer, but anyways, um, Halloween: The Curse of Michael Myers, the producer's cut. I don't know when that was actually released. Theatrically, it was released in 1995, uh, 2014, um, I believe. I just saw it on Wikipedia. Okay, yeah, that makes sense with the all, all the think, uh, recent Blu-ray releases. Yeah, I think there may have been. From what I saw researching, there may have been like a bootleg version of some yeah. sort floating around forever, but they finally officially released it uh, not too long ago. Yeah. Uh, directed by Joe Chappelle. It has a 9% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 37% audience score. And I will go ahead and say, I do believe this is the lowest we will go with the critic score, but not mm. with the audience score. But that obviously doesn't matter very much. Does the audience score ever get lower than 9%? I don't believe so. No. Oh. Well, I, I guess women die in it, so it probably wouldn't have, wouldn't get very low, huh? Called it! Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I was about to say that's mean, but I don't feel bad <laughs> for making fun of uh, internet trolls. Um, so those are the ratings for the theatrical cut. Correct. Okay. I don't. I don't believe there are scores for the producer. Sure. Yet. Sure. Yeah. I, I will probably check not, just to verify, but probably not ultimately that far off. But I guess we'll uh, let Alex be the judge of that in a little bit. And I don't know how many critics were like in 2014 went. No, all right. Yeah, we should go. We should go. Uh, <laughs> let's let's uh, reevaluate get, 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 this. 
Yeah, make our voices heard on this one. Mm-hmm. Look, we couldn't even get enough people to review a view to a kill. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you think they're going for Halloween 6? <laughs> Boy. Um, I'll yeah. go first with best and worst because um, it'll be nice and quick. Um, my best thing is I'm, I'm going to say largely the the cast. I There wasn't the only the the you got to have one in every movie the character i hate was the dad uh Kara Strode's dad was just a i mean mm-hmm. it, it, but he, i i hated him cuz he was awful but the movie wanted me to hate him yeah. and so clearly like the actor and the script were doing their job in that whereas in some of these other movies i was like this this person is so awful like what is going on and in this i went no he's he's supposed to be dislikable um so it was that's a good performance. But there's like the the thing is Paul Rudd's in this movie and he's a, a a very young man and I like Paul Rudd. He's making some interesting choices in this movie. Um occasionally trying to do a Chicago accent. Um and just I I don't know how I feel about the idea that Tommy from the first movie would grow up to be a creep <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. not like a uh, not like an active creep, but like watching people through the window and yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, I guess when I'm going to say active, I mean, he's not like touching people inappropriately. <laughs> he's just like leering after uh, sure. Kara. But I, I, I quite liked her. Um, Marianne Hagen, I believe was her name. Um, I thought she did quite a nice job. Um, the kids were, well, the kid was, was fine. And Kim Darby is in this movie and she's like a real actor. <laughs> she was, uh, she played, Kara's mom, or yeah, Kara's mom, and she was in the original True Grit as the character that Haley Steinfeld would play. Oh wow! Yeah, so she was like, like a real actor. So when they saw Kim Darby's name, I went, "Wait, wait a minute! <laughs> Is this a real movie?" <laughs> um, but yeah, largely I uh, I like them. My worst thing I... before we started, Alex asked me if I liked this more than Halloween Five. And I think what I settled on was I disliked it less is maybe a better way to phrase it. Um, I guess my worst thing about the movie is that Michael Myers really doesn't, he's not in it that much, which I don't really care about Michael Myers. So maybe that's not a big deal, but also it just feels like an odd choice to not have him in the movie that much. I feel like I had another worst thing in it left my brain so if i think the, of it i'll say it the but. movie's so obsessed with like world building and trying to tie all the right, movies together right. it forgets that there's a serial killer in there for a good chunk <laughs> right, of exactly it. although there is a very very funny shot <laughs> during a scene later with michael myers that we'll we'll get to later as we do our own explanation of the mm. world building but there's a shot that i found quite uh humorous so somebody else go i feel like there are several candidates for what you're talking about so i'll be curious to see what you're thinking um Speaking of shots, uh, non-alcoholic, that's not where I'll go with that, uh, actual film shots, I uh, I think my best thing, the, the best way I can summarize this, and I'm just going to like in one go say my best and worst thing in one sentence, is that I, I think from a film perspective, this, or like a, a craft perspective, I guess, as someone who is very much only a watcher of movies, um, and does not know anything about how to actually make a movie, but just from my amateur viewpoint, I feel like this movie, uh, just works better as a movie than a lot of 
maybe almost all of the ones we've done since the first movie. Um, I think in terms of having its own, not even style, but uh, the the atmosphere and the 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 way the scenes are actually shot feels more cinematic to me than a lot of like, especially uh, three and five, and probably even four to some extent, because four is is feels kind of purposefully cheaply made or purposefully not uh not is not aiming to give a big budget vibe um this one i think is okay is relatively effective it's not nearly as effective as the first one none of them have been um but relatively effective in terms of creating atmosphere just through the way the scenes are shot um and that goes into lighting that goes into the cinematography all of that i thought it looked like a solid movie um and had shots that were framed in ways that i liked uh some of them are quite comedic but uh there was at least it i guess the best way i can say it is that it's not it was not confusing to look at visually in the way sure. that especially i think three and five were um it, it it was always very clear what was being portrayed on the screen characters you know were able to uh, shine the acting was able to shine a little bit because of the way that they were shown. Um, so overall, I like the direction. I would say. Um, and Britain, I think you mentioned in our group chat that this Joe Chappelle went on to direct some of episodes of The Wire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, and a couple of I think like Chicago PD or something sure. like a lot of a lot of TV shows. I see that a little bit. The I see kind of the uh, maybe not prestige, but the. Uh, well-polished tv vibe mm-hmm. i think i get that mm-hmm. i get how that translates from this movie so um i thought that was interesting uh i did not say my best and worst thing in one shot i thought i was going to but i did not uh so my best thing is the direction mostly compared to the re- like where we've been in the franchise so far my worst thing is that i think this might be the most uh the movie that is most destructive to its own series continuity mm-hmm. uh, of any movies we've reviewed on this podcast. And I'm talking X-Men films. I'm talking, wow. uh, I guess, maybe the alien prequel Terminator things. Terminator. Terminator might be a close one, but like, yeah. man, uh, in terms of trying to create rules that nobody was asking for for this world and only at, only creating more questions and only making things more confused and dumb, <laughs> it is out there. <laughs> it's yeah, it's quite something. I was not prepared. Um, I was not prepared to be this invested in the Halloween franchise lore in general <laughs> by this point. But but this one, it doesn't even really necessarily make me mad. It's just fascinating how much they don't try to stay how much they try to make the plot all about the previous ones and getting in line with the previous ones but also totally miss the mark in just about every connection they try to make it's it's insane um so that's going to be a lot of what i want to get into in this but uh i did take notes so at some point we'll run down anything if uh we have time and have not uh covered the topics that i have to bring up because i have quite a few Alex, what is your best and worst thing? I think I'm going to be on kind of the uh, opposing end uh, for my best thing. 
I actually appreciated the way that it tried to tie sure. all of the movies together. And I think that might just be more of a good effort. <laughs> kind, <laughs> kind of tried. a it, compliment. It's the thought that counts. Well, I appreciate when a franchise does say we're not ignoring what happened in previous movies. It all counts. I, I think there's a certain there's something to admire about that as opposed to every couple of movies we're going to reboot or whatever. Like they're we're about to you know start heading into that territory. So See, I, I that's fascinating because yeah. I thought you would have taken that. The the vibes that this gave me are very similar to Spectre. Uh and and how that tries to be like the Daniel Craig movies are all connected, um, so I f- I figured that might be where you take that inter- or how that would have played off of you. So that's interesting that you, that it worked for you. That would be like if, if they squeezed in, you know, like an octopusy and a view to a kill in between Skyfall and Spectre, and then said they were all connected, like. The the drop off between Skyfall and Spectre is so sure is distinct. I see and, what you're and, saying. Okay, but but like there was a cushion. These movies, <laughs> like we liked four. These movies haven't really been good since like the first one. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, we 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 did give positive reviews to to you know I, mostly to Halloween two, and then Halloween four was the only one that other one that we that we liked or responded to positively. Um. But but they haven't been of that quality. Yeah. Um, so so I, I think just kind of taking this haphazard like, oh, the man in black. What's that? <laughs> a cult, I guess. It's fine. We got we got a tattoo on Michael's arm that we didn't see until part five. It's fine. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I, I think this feels almost like a really smart high schooler being super obsessed with a franchise that doesn't make sense and coming up with their own fan fiction that ties it yeah. all together. Sure. It feels like there's like BuzzFeed I said, articles about how the Pixar movies are linked. Yeah, sure. It, it feels like one of those. Um, so, so yeah. I mean, we can break break down how it doesn't make sense, and it's 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 silly, and then there's runes involved and all of that. But I, like I said, I I just appreciate the effort of no Sam Hain. We're we're keeping that. We're sure. we're keeping like the cycle of of Michael Myers being possessed by evil, and we're trying to transfer that possession. Um, I don't like how they handle Jamie Lloyd, which is my worst yeah. thing. Um, but at least, you know, she is still a part of the story. They don't just kind of, you know, you know, have her die off screen, which I don't know. May, may, there an argument could be made that that actually might have been better. But <laughs> um, I, I, I like that they bring back Tommy Doyle. They bring back the Strode family like they 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 try and connect it and. In a, in a franchise, in a series that's gotten as silly as this has gotten, I am completely fine with that. <laughs> I guess, Tyler, in terms of connecting it back to Bond, this would be like if you get to a view to a kill and Christopher Walken says, I've been in charge of every single <laughs> villain you've fought so <laughs> far, Roger Moore. Pain. Yeah. Christopher Walken saying, I am the author of all your pain. I need that. <laughs> I would also have I, I probably would have said jamie the way they treat jamie in this is is pretty awful yeah. she in the last movie was supposed to be like eight or nine yeah this is six years later which means she's about 15 yeah and she gives birth to a child so we all can infer what happened there and um the implication at the end of the film which is kind of the big real like oh okay 
is that it's Michael Myers' baby? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we don't get... Expl- like, <clears throat> our, our main character, whose name I've already forgotten, uh, she is... Kara. Kara, there we go. She is uh, the one who for whatever reason posits this and says like, like is trying to basically convince Michael Myers to let them go. Um, but she's the one who comes up with this and says like, I, it's your baby, isn't it? Don't let them kill it. And that's, he's, he's Jamie's uncle. Um, yeah. That's just, yeah. Woo. There's yeah, a th- lot th- to it back ta- there. Um, that they would take this, this child and have her be, assaulted in between movies at all is terrible yeah and then that within that is in that with that particular by that particular person it's just gross and bad yeah um yeah and also yeah the age thing doesn't make sense and it's it's just weird i i do believe i I can't remember this properly um like i said I, i watched them in very close proximity i don't know if they have that implication in the theatrical cut i think they might have cut that because it's already messed up enough yeah uh i could be wrong on that and also but does not actually do anything for that climax <laughs> like it does not right. actually change how that plays out and it would be different if if jamie survived and somehow got like some cathartic like if she was the one that that took michael out at the end or you know something sure. Um, that would be different, but then she's just kind of callously killed off halfway through the film, yeah. and that that is a difference that I will highlight mm-hmm. between this and the other version. Um, but yeah, so Daniel Harris was trying to get into the movie. She wanted to be a part of it, but part of that was that I think she had to get emancipated from her parents. Oh, good. Um, because she was still underage. So in order to work, you know, during night and, you know, all the, the different um, kind of child labor laws, she had to uh, get that taken care of. And apparently the paycheck that they offered her, and this was when Miramax had the rights to make the film. So she's dealing with like the Weinstein Brothers kind of company. Um, the amount that they were willing to pay her was less than what she had paid in legal fees to get emancipated. Jeez. And she said, you know, I'm, I was in the past couple of movies. What's going on? And they're like, you die in the first act. We're not giving you anymore. So she was like, no, I'm not doing this. But coupon for TGI Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look at that. You can get you a free appetizer. Danny. Um, that's cool and gross. Um, yeah, but well, I mean, I, I think ultimately it turned out in her favor that she oh, yeah. turned this down. So <laughs> yeah, she got to uh, be a working actor. But yeah, that's that that is the reason that she is not Jamie in the film. Yeah, and she has this um part of the behind the scenes stuff because there's not a whole lot with Halloween Six. There's mostly just like some interviews with with the actors, and there's a there's a pretty lengthy interview with her where she talks about why she's not in it. So mm-hmm. I recommend everyone go check that out if they are interested. Yeah, and credit. Where it's due, the actress who does play her gives it her all, you know, really. Yeah. All she's given to do is scream and cry mm-hmm. in this movie, but she, she, she does, does it. <laughs> she does get to, she tells Michael, like, you don't get the baby because she, yeah, she yeah. has to hide the baby. So. In a bus station. There's something. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, 
the re- big reveal in this one is that Michael was never crazy. He was possessed by an evil spirit. It's a cult. <laughs> it's a cult. Mm-hmm. Which, to me, makes the makes the first movie not very scary. <laughs> like, not that possess like, hereditary possession terrifying, but this is like the reason that I found the first one so scary is is the randomness of it. Is like this boy just became violent and killed his sister, and it's like it's it's the lack of information and the lack of lore that actually bolsters that movie. Right. And that this one's like, no, there is an explanation, and it's magic. It's like, yeah. oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah, this this really has reached the zenith of trying to give a reason behind everything. And right, your right. mileage will definitely vary on that. I thought we were far enough along in the series. I was like, I'm game. Bring on <laughs> all the explanations. You've already you've already driven this into the ground. I saw Halloween 5. Sure. If only um, there had been a... a- flashback where we see michael getting every piece of his iconic jumpsuit and knife and mask mm-hmm. we'll and get so- there and somebody tells him what his name should be because prequels are great mm-hmm. um i don't hate prequels i hate some of them well i don't hate anything but <laughs> what is um, that is that rob zombie knocking on the door <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, it was silly um what was i gonna say i don't know somebody else go yeah, I mean, I I think that's the big thing that the movie is is kind of grappling with because that is like its thesis statement. It's it's going we are going to give an explanation to everything that's gone on. And the fact that it's hinged on not just a cult cuz I I do think you can kind of get away with that in some sort of mysticism yeah. whatever. But then they bring up runes and Paul Rudd is explaining this all on a 1995 computer and it's ridiculous. <laughs> And then at the end, he just puts a bunch of rocks on the ground and it disables Michael Myers. It's all yeah. very silly. And yeah, pretty good. if you're going to do that, <laughs> I mean, it's good for like uh, so oh, bad. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for trying to maintain like a serious horror film that you're invested in fully, it's 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 it feels like it's, it's you know, in battle with itself. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't really know what it wants to do. So. Well, it's also it, it's t- talking of character stuff. I, I understand that Donald Pleasant's passed away during production, but that the end of the movie is now the evil spirit is possessing him. Well, that, that I wanted the implication? to ask. I wanted to ask about that because I, I wasn't sure if that was the implication or if it's Doctor Wynn. I I believe he he was also marked as well. Uh huh. So the fact that he was offering uh, Loomis the chance to kind of watch over Michael and be in charge of the cult mm-hmm. if he's passed that power on to Loomis. Yes, I think that's the implication is that there is this cult. Okay. And this dude that we saw apparently once in the first movie could not have told you that. Um, and Yeah, it, it's not the same actor, but very briefly um, yeah. when Loomis is leaving the... Uh, the hospital in the first film he's in going to Haddonfield, there is a Dr. Wynn character, yeah. which is another thing I respect of like, if you're trying to sure. connect the dots like that, uh, why sure. not? <laughs> yeah. Look, Kat Dennings and Randall Park came back. It's just good mm-hmm. that they're remembering. Mm-hmm. Look, 
Look, at least they didn't ruin the cigarette smoking nurse from the first two films. They they really could have just like retconned her character to be in charge of the cult and it would have been an insult to the yeah. fans. Yeah. People would have been like, that. you didn't set this up. But with Wynn, it's like, oh, great. This is oh, exactly yeah. who we all, this was the fan theory. Was that it was He Wynn was the, the father time. of all our pain. Yeah. I thought it was something where like the alternate take would be Loomis like, in a bathroom and then he looks in the mirror and you start to realize oh now he's evil no loom <laughs> all that all that where's lori loomis yeah exactly exactly where's i'm Lori? very glad that they didn't give one of the teenage characters in any of these movies like that like oh loom you don't know what you're talking about like there's a like red a very, in this movie they're giving a loomis a nickname yeah um I'm going to be thinking too much about Twin Peaks. Derailing that. Um, yeah, I'm going to be thinking too much about Nickname and Loomis. Sure. Uh, miss, Mr. Miss. Uh, the, <laughs> <clears throat> the implication, I think, is that uh, Wynn is like, hey, Loomis, you should take over. Uh, you'll, you'll have power over Michael and be like his, his like caretaker. And then... At the end, he forcibly passes this to Loomis. Michael is gone. It's like, oh, snap. <clears throat> now Loomis has to... I don't know what is forcing Loomis to do this. I don't know why he can't just, right. like, die. But <laughs> It's also weird because Loomis is... Like, Donald Pleasance, I think, is probably older than the actor who plays Wynn. Um... Around the same assume. age, at least. So yeah. it's it's weird to be like, oh, I'm passing this on to somebody else who is also old. And, like, it's not... I, I would think it would make more sense to pass it on to, like, oh, here's the new fresh young blood who will come in and will make the cult stronger. I don't know. That was a weird yeah. a weird thing. Um, Paul it would Rudd. be like if Midsommar ended with, like, someone's grandma <laughs> as, the, as the May Queen. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I almost, like, yeah, I thought Paul Rudd was going to be, and I don't know if the theatrical cut does anything with this, but I thought Paul Rudd was going to ultimately be, like, snap, and now he's the new yeah. uh, head of the cult, and there's going to be something going on with that. Paul Rudd <clears throat> in his, his, like, IMDb bio, it says, uh, holds the power of the cult of Thorn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, That's why he looks the same. Uh-huh. I... Uh, my my wife walked in while I was watching this, uh, like halfway through, and saw Paul Rudd and was like, "That's Paul Rudd! Like, when did this come out?" And I was like, "1995." And she was like, "What?" Because <laughs> he sure does look the same. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. For some reason, it almost works for me the ending, and just being this like perpetuating cycle of okay, by Michael's back out there again. It, like it almost leaves us in the same place that the first one leaves us of he's never going to be stopped. He's continuing to chase after this family. Um, and eventually, you know, they'll try and pass the cycle of possession on to somebody else. Once he's killed his family, like that's, uh, almost ambiguous and interesting enough for me to work. But the, I mean, the rest of the movie just doesn't really bring answer enough questions to make it like, at all satisfying or an interesting cathartic uh you know final capstone 
So I don't know. It, it's it's a fascinating choice. It doesn't really make sense, and it's not really clarified exactly what is happening. Um, but I I think I do ultimately appreciate that it does. I think I would have been more like, okay, fine. If if this had ended with they kill Michael, these these characters who we had you know barely seen before, we saw Paul Rudd's supposed character in the first movie. There is literally no way to connect them other than the fact that they have the same name. Um, yeah. like there's no personality traits or whatever that, that carry over. Um, w- the, these characters that we just do not know, they defeat Michael Myers once and for all. They, they, they stop the cult and they ride off into the sunset. That would have been such a hollow, uh, ending for this series of movies because it's just like, we, we've gone so far away from the original characters and premise that we get no satisfaction out of this happy ending for these characters we've just met. Um, I think it is more interesting that it ends ambiguously at least. Sure. Yeah, I can see that. No, I definitely agree. Had they planned on this being the end of the Thorn trilogy or did, did this one underperform so much or is because Donald Pleasance is passing? I mean, do you know what the, I think it was mostly just uh, the debacle of the final cut. Sure. And then the fact that what was released was a critical and box office uh, disappointment, to right. say the least. Gotcha. <clears throat> and I think after this, um, I think there's interviews with the writer of H2O when he first started on the project basically being told you can ignore all the thorn stuff nobody really cares about that just do your own thing <laughs> so yeah i um the, the 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 shot that i was alluding to earlier is at the end when they're in the big they, they've infiltrated the cult meeting mm-hmm. and like first of all this movie makes us look at a naked baby a lot mm-hmm. and i know it's a baby i still felt really uncomfortable um, yeah, like, do do we really need just this long, lingering yeah. shot of of the cult leader, like, marking the baby's stomach with, with yeah. the marking? And it's just, like, slowly zooming in. I'm like, yeah, I get it, naked baby. Like, cut. This, like, is, this is a come lot, on. guys. Yeah. And just, like, I don't, don't, I don't like that the baby was there for all that. Yeah. The, um, prim- the premise is already creepy and exploitative enough that yeah. we, that just, yeah. You can do some quick edits to show that the baby is there and then not actually put the baby there. Yeah. But anyway. So, but there's this shot of like, I guess it's Dr. Wynn and uh, some other cultists and they're all dressed like Amadeus's dad and they're all like, it's all dark and looming and there's all these candles everywhere. And then Michael is also standing up and he just looks like an ultra boy who who forgot his robes he's or something. jumpsuit on. He's got a jumpsuit in the and mask and he's he, just like. He's uh, not looking in any particular direction. He's looking offset yeah. slightly. Uh, from exactly. both the victims and the rest of the cult. He's just, oh, I guess I'm here now. I don't, I don't really yeah, know he, he, anything about any of this. It was totally but... like in the school play when like the one kid who's like, what? Huh? What? <laughs> just has no idea what they're what to say. It was very funny to me. Mm-hmm. What, one um, detail that was yeah. uh, deleted from both cuts. Turns out Michael hasn't changed his clothes since Halloween 4. I mean, and, uh, all, all the cult are, members have to wear nose plugs because it's really are we, gross. Are we sure he's changed his clothes since Halloween 1? <laughs> I mean, I know he got burned in Halloween 2, but like, <clears throat> is there like a Superman thing going on where he protects the clothes that are tied on his skin? Like, 
can we prove? You know, he did he did kill the guy in Halloween Four who was wearing a jumpsuit. That's true. But that That's could true. just be coincidence. That's oh. <laughs> Only one of us can have this look. <laughs> Loomis charges in and he's like, Michael, no. Michael, it's your parents. <laughs> he's like, Michael, we, it, you don't have to do this. You can change. And Michael's like, can you change the fact that I have crunchy pants? <laughs> oh, Michael. <laughs> um, Gross. Yeah. It was very funny to me. Also, this movie... Uh, pulls or hereditary pulls a halloween sex because this movie you have this shot where you see various it looks like it did a hereditary it's this kind of subtle thing that the cultists at the end of hereditary are people we've seen throughout the movie as just like townspeople or like random students who had mm-hmm. like one or two lines in the classroom and which is a, it's very scary when you realize that in Hereditary. And in this, it, they all they have like Mrs. Blankenship from the boarding house, and also the the clerk from the bus station or whatever who had what I would describe as ice cream hair. Mm-hmm. He was one of the cultists, and um, I was like, oh okay, that's it was scary in the other movie. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's pretty scary. I like to imagine that Ari Aster, when he when he was first coming up with Hereditary, he is like, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do the Halloween franchise, but better. <laughs> oh man. What if every movie he's made is him subtly correcting something from the Halloween franchise? <laughs> Next he'll have a movie where like there's a guy named Barry who doesn't kick butt. Ari Aster doing a spin on Halloween 3 does sound like a lot of fun. Oh my god, that would be so good. That would be horrifying. Yeah. And it's also about, like, climate change. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, so so one of the characters in this movie um, wears a shirt that says Barry Kicks. It doesn't say butt, but for the purpose of the podcast, it says Barry Kicks Butt, because there's like Radio Shock Jock DJ called Barry Sims. And the guy just had a shirt that said Barry kicks butt. And that was, I was obsessed with that the entire movie. Mm. Ironically, it is Barry whose butt is kicked. And then kick, kicks right up into a tree. Yeah. Uh, th- this is one thing that I did appreciate about the movie is that I think we get some of Michael Myers' personality back after the last movie. Yeah. It was a little hit or miss. Um, he used some farming tools, but beyond that, uh, wasn't quite as, as uh, enjoyable. But this time he strings up Barry and some Halloween lights and a tree. Um, so that like blood stripping out like that's a that's a that's a Michael Myers drama. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. you know, I, I got to I got to really uh, pump up the stakes here and I got to instill fear into the hearts of my victims. Um, that's that's for, some for, Michael Myers yeah. stuff right there. That's that's the serial killer I know and love for Michael. The, the, every death is a pageant. Yeah. The image of the little girl going, Mom, it's raining yeah. red or whatever. Yeah. And Paul Rudd just kind of like, what is going on? That is the most genuine acting from Paul Rudd in the whole film. <laughs> yeah. Paul Rudd's like, are you are you referencing my favorite uh, Peter Gabriel song? Oh! <laughs> can, um, we, can we address Paul Rudd? Because Paul Rudd is wonderful. Yeah, uh, I, Paul Rudd's great. It has to be his direction that he's yeah. given in the movie, right? Because he's just a creep. Yeah, and I mean, he was like, I don't know, 20 or whatever. He was so young. This is the same year that Clueless came out, by the way. Apparently, he was doing um, screen testing for Clueless while shooting this. That's 
that is auspicious. That's yeah. talk about a jump. Yeah. I watched Clueless for the first time, like maybe last year, and uh, it's a fun movie. Um, yeah, got some weird ADR stuff in there, but some weird choppiness to it. But whatever, it's, it's a lot of fun. Like Alicia Silverstone, like uh, Donald Faison, yeah. and of course Paul Rudd has a line where he goes, "That would be dope of us." <laughs> I was like, "Thank you, Paul Rudd." Are you sure he didn't say that in this movie? But like when he's on the phone, he's like, "That would be dope of us." Yeah, there was a lot of parts where he he would kind of say, where are you? And I'm like, oh, because of Illinois. But it was, uh, let me tell you, we really needed Julius Pepperwood from New Girl to sh- come in and show him how a real Chicago guy talks. Then crust pizza? Not for me. I'm from Chicago. That's what we, we really needed yes. someone to tell him. He looked, yeah, what? You look good in your Dockers. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good show. Why did we watch that? We should. Could have been playing True American, whatever that is. I was a little bit confused by the <laughs> approach that they took with Tommy. Uh, yeah. I appreciate yeah. that basically the events of the first film have given him PTSD, and he's just sure. like obsessed with it, and he's got newspaper clippings on his wall. I don't know why he calls in to Barry Sims' radio show to be like, I think Michael's coming back. Like... I guess it's because of the runes it's, it's and the constellations. The it's because but the movie. I don't. But why would he call a shock jock about that? Like, what's he, <laughs> he's got to broadcast to the audience. He's like, the, I know if I yeah. call in, I'm going to get, you know, a lot of people are going to hear. I got to give them a warning. And yeah, I got to use a, my creepy voice so they know that I'm serious. You know, that, <laughs> that actually makes sense, Tyler. Yeah. I know things. Why are, why are you oh, made? I, I turned the tables on you. Now you're having to make se- sense no, out of Halloween say, 6. <clears throat> there are parts of this that don't make sense that we can talk about, and I'll get into yeah. those. But I, I'm, I've, got, I've got the spiel of things to rattle off. So I want to I try and see where we bounce around first. and then. But I was a little bit frustrated that Tommy, and, and none of the characters in these movies really have arcs, so to speak. Uh, the most you get is like, a defenseless girl like standing up for herself that's that's kind mm-hmm. of the best or loomis kind of losing his mind <laughs> over the course of several films yeah. um, which does continue here um but tommy doesn't really like confront or overcome this ptsd he doesn't he doesn't get a cathartic moment where he he like kills michael and maybe i just want <laughs> jamie and tommy to just like team up and just destroy michael myers maybe that's yeah. the dream um and for but I was just Tammy. I, I was very confused that that they kind of set that up and it was purely for exposition purposes and yep. they don't really kind of continue that through the rest of the film. And I also was confused about why he lived in a boarding house. Yeah, I, eh. I never picked up on that. They don't really uh, say what money, happened to his parents or anything. I guess. No. I don't know. Tyler, real quick, in in the future, when you're having to discipline your son, will you Mm. use your creepy voice to show that you're serious? No. So that, like, your your son's making a mess at dinner, and then he looks up, and you're, like, turned away from him facing the sink. Michael Myers is coming back. (laughs) You just turn the faucet off, and you're like, little boys should finish their peas. (laughs) (laughs) But he's coming to get you. (laughs) <laughs> um <laughs> i'm like picturing it and it's terrifying uh what i gave um, you six what... peas 
eight six piece. <laughs> what? Speaking of, what do we think of Donald Pleasance in this? Because I went back and forth between being like, he's he still got it, he's doing a great job, and I feel bad for him. Like there are parts yeah. of the movie where I was like, don't make this this old man come out and do this stupid movie mm-hmm. like now that said <laughs> i don't know what this character meant to donald pleasance maybe for him he was like oh cool i get to go and you know this is like this this fun likes i go off and do all my other stuff and then every couple of years i go into a halloween movie just like a fun little you know side job that maybe he in, enjoys playing the character or mm-hmm. kind of you know there's some, some fun little consistency to it so maybe he was like yeah i'd love to come back and do it but there were just times and i was I don't know. I don't like to in, in, uh, uh, project onto actors their feelings about things, but there were just moments where I was like, his his age was really showing, which I think in some ways helped really inform that performance and inform those scenes with him where he's like, I've put it away. I'm not doing this anymore. I can't, like, I've tried to move on, but I'm still listening to my shock jock radio. Um <laughs> But can't take my dials. But he he is is I don't know. I still just felt like this actor has accomplished so much. Let's maybe not make him do this. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. What did y'all think? I I didn't really notice uh, like a decline in the quality of his performance. Or no, anything. certainly not in his performance. No. Um, and from what I've gleaned from the all the interviews and everything, it does seem like he genuinely enjoyed being in the films, and that okay he. You know, when he was there, he would take it seriously, but he would also, you know, be kind of a, a jokester on set. And, and you know, yeah, apparently like he, got he, he was uh, in very good spirits about it. So, OK, well, that's good. That's good. That changes yeah. then. <laughs> yeah. Because I do think he does a nice job and I'll be interested, Alex, to, to hear about the theatrical cut, because I believe you've alluded to it not handling Donald Pleasance very well. It's whereas... uh, it's pretty insulting. Gotcha. Because I it's think not the pretty. Producers... It's it's just insulting. <laughs> okay. Because because in the producer's cut, it like I didn't, I I didn't get anything that suggested in this movie that like oh they didn't have, you know Loomis as much as oh he's suddenly not in the movie for this scene because of the you know it all seemed to just in terms of Donald Pleasance it all seemed to like he seemed to be in at the right amount it made sense with the scenes he was in and wasn't in like that all seemed fine and it seemed respectful or you know what I mean? Like it didn't, it well, was a little weird when like he, <laughs> he's screaming and wailing cause he's gotten something mm-hmm. indicted inducted into the cult. And then it says in memory of Donald Pleasance, <laughs> that's a little jarring. Uh, the juxtaposition there's a little much, yeah. but even that didn't feel like tasteless. Well, Oh, and this is one better. Thing. This is the other thing actually that I wanted to mention about the ending that actually did make it work. I completely forgot. Um, they, the last thing they do is, He's screaming. He's like, oh, God, now I've got to run this cult and I'm in charge of Michael Myers. And then we cut to some shots, some outside shots at night of like a house. I think maybe we see the building that they that the cult was in the asylum. Um, And then we jump to like a jack-o'-lantern sitting there. Um, Mm -hmm. That really worked for me because that really brought it full circle to that ending from the first one of, you know, Hey, Michael Myers could be anywhere, you know, like he's, he's uh, the monster looking in the shadows. He's the boogeyman. Um, so I think that that's what makes that work. That's why it's not quite so jarring. It's because there is that little bit of space to breathe and 
get, try and bring that feeling back a little bit of like we're we're back to square one like he's out there and the the cycle continues um so yeah i think i think ultimately that make i i was trying to remember why it worked for me because you're totally right that it does the last time we see him is he's wailing and then we get in in uh, memory of donald pleasance but i think that's why is that ultimately the movie lands on the right note sure yeah um forgot what i was gonna say um yeah i I will definitely get into the the differences now just for some context the producer's cut is everything that they initially shot so there's no reshoots added into that um basically the producer's cut is what they took to the test screenings test screenings didn't go well and then they said we got to make all these changes oh crap uh donald pleasance is dead we got to completely redo the third act now so hmm Hmm. Um, I I did want to ask about some of the uh, kind of plot points that happen in the middle of the movie, specifically Tommy uh, finding Kara's son and then convincing her out of nowhere to just go to the boarding house. Yeah. Yeah. There's like not a scene where he actually explains why they should go to the boarding house. And she's like, you know, this is crazy, right? I'm like, yeah, I don't know why you're here. (laughs) Yeah. This is also, uh, I think I messaged y'all in our group chat that uh, I was very frustrated because um, Kara is is walking up the stairs and she hears uh, a video game being played. Um, after we have seen that Michael Myers has murdered her mother, which we'll get to um, prior in the same house prior to this point. Um, And so we're like, oh God, it's Michael Myers there. And then you hear the video game being played. And I was like, are we going to finally confirm that Michael Myers is a gamer? (laughs) Um, I was really hoping she would just walk in and he's sitting there. He's just like, oh, hey, I'll call you in a second. Just got to finish this level. Uh, Speed Speed running. Yeah. it's this new game Danny's called like, Yeah. Danny's like, is it my turn? Can I play? No, you'll mess up my save. <laughs> um, you don't know how to do it. She does find her, her son and Tommy sitting on the bed, hanging out when Tommy has a baby for reasons. Um, yeah. I think Michael Myers' favorite game would be Twisted Metal or Harvest Moon. I was going to say, I think something that's a little more... Like he's got so much anger, so much chaos. Right, he, right. he has such an unstable life. He never knows where he's going to wake up. Uh, he's constantly having to murder his way out of situations. Yeah. Um. I think he would want something that's a little bit more low key, a little bit more relaxed. Yeah. I think that would help him a little to... more. Yeah, something a little more bucolic. I I, I completely agree. <laughs> um. When is Farming Simulator 2 coming out, or 17 coming out? Well, it's not until next year. Why why does it matter if they have new trucks in it? Okay. Like, if he found the downtime, I bet he would just really get into Animal Crossing on on Switch. Oh, Um, yeah. Especially lockdown, I'm sure. Especially with it being portable. Like, that's that's what that guy needs. He needs something that he can, you know, maybe he uh, sticks it in his bag of masks that he carries around. Um (laughs) And, you know, just something that he can he can whip out on the go where, you know, he's like, all right, at a setup shop here, uh, the, the new teenager is going to walk into the scene <laughs> later, according to the script. So, you know, I'm just going to sit down and play some Animal Crossing before I get to murdering. 
Yeah, and every time he kills a teen, he hacks their switch to get their friend code so he can go to their <laughs> island. <laughs> and then he goes and kills all their villagers. <laughs> Even Michael Myers thinks that Nintendo Switch's online options are terrible. Like, <laughs> Why would I buy things just to get a few coins? This is ridiculous. Um, I don't want to play Spl- Spl- Splatoon that badly. <laughs> My whole life is Splatoon. <laughs> Put with blood. <laughs> what um? What did we think of our teens, our our erstwhile living teens? I think they're fine in this yeah. one. You know, they're whatever. Fine, yeah, well, uh, a couple of them don't even have pictures on IMDb. <laughs> oh, I mean, really, Aside we don't I, have yeah teens. But we've got Tommy, and we've got oh yeah, they're all Kara, slightly Kara, yeah, early twenties, and Beth and Tim. Tim is there, but Tim, Tim. Does Tim ever die? He does die. He dies horribly. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah, there are some dies. teens. He dies. Wait. How does he die? He gets... Th- this is another point where I was like, yeah, that's the Michael Myers I know and love. Um, they <laughs> He's taking a shower, and he's like, hey, Beth, get me a towel. And then Michael Myers hands him a towel through the oh, shower, yeah. and he dries off and walks out, and then he gets his throat slit from behind while he's looking. Right, right, right. <clears throat> and yeah and then um kara finds both of them later and he's like tucked tim down under the covers um yeah that's surprise for uh kara to find later it'll be pretty funny <laughs> i think i did write down in my notes i was describing um him murdering barry and i did call it an epic murder prank um <laughs> so i think that's an apt description that is actually a really good sequence um where kara is looking uh through her win or through the boarding house window that Tommy has into her window, and Beth is on the bed, um, and Kara calls her and is like, "You need to get out of there right now!" Like mm, Michael Myers yeah. is coming back; he's murdering people. Like the, you need to find Tim and leave. Um, and then while she's talking to her, Michael Myers shows up, and so she sees him murder her through the window, yeah. um, which is pretty haunting. So. It's a Does, little goofy uh, that Kara doesn't try and reach out to anyone before that. I, I sure. know not everyone, like, nobody was walking around with a cell phone, so she couldn't just call them. But she doesn't try anything to kind of reach out to her family. And she's just like, I'll occasionally look out the window and see if anybody's home. <laughs> yeah. Does One thing that this, th- this film does have, and I, I do want to ask if there's too many characters in the movie. Because um, I, I think that could potentially be an issue. Uh, going along with just trying to wrap everything together, there might just just be too much going on for what should be like a simple slasher film. We never really deal with the parents in these movies. Like yeah, they're does always Gross dad die in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remind me how he gets killed in the basement. He gets thrown against the electricity. That's or right. the the uh the electrical That's box. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and that is very different <laughs> between the two cuts, but I'll get mm. there. Um. Yeah, it's interesting because we never really get the parents as an active part of the plot. Normally, they're just kind of in a couple of introductory scenes and then they're just gone. Mm-hmm. And in Halloween 5, they're not even there. So I, I thought it was interesting that they tried to at least build some character with both of them and kind of be like, oh, yeah, the Strode family. It's kind of messed up. And and then uh, obviously both of them get fairly grisly deaths. Uh I don't know if they're really necessary and the whole family being messed up doesn't really go anywhere, but 
it was something. Uh, I think it works more or less because they go at a pretty steady place. I will or pretty steady pace in terms of murdering them. Um, yeah, I will say it. Uh, it is weird to think about in hindsight because at the end of the movie, that none of that emotional baggage is addressed with Kara. It's just yeah. like nope. Eh. Like it she's not. Been, we don't even really see. Yeah. Like she just escapes the cult, and that's like it's just not something they deal with. So. It would have been a little, pretty cathartic if Michael killed the dad by just like backhand slapping him so hard his neck broke, <laughs> spinning his head around. His head goes flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the other part of that that I wanted to ask, and Tyler, I'm 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 trying not to to get into your list of things because I feel like you you're just gonna want to hit them rapid fire. Yeah, probably, but we can go. Why does the Strode family? They're not aware that they're living in the Michael Myers house. Like, all of them they, just seem completely bewildered by that. Again, I'm going to explain this only to pick it apart in a moment with more confusion. Uh, the dad specifically is revealed to have hidden the fact that it was the Myers house. Like, he knew it was he knew it was the Myers house, and he knew yeah. that the horrible murders happened, but he hides it from the family. Right. No, I, I follow that part. And I guess his brother was um, Lori's adopted yes adoptive father correct. right okay because he is the realtor from the first film correct yeah okay gotcha gotcha um yeah that that leads into the next bit of kind of with the the shock jock showing up into town and and beth trying to lead this campaign to bring halloween back to haddonfield mm-hmm. and that's why i don't know why nobody in their family is aware that they're living in the myers house yeah. because this whole mass murder situation happened and they have neighbors like somebody would have told them just in passing conversation. So what's it like living in the Myers house, you know, where all those people were murdered. Yeah. Well, like those kids are putting Michael Mm -hmm. Myers, like statue or mock cardboard cut out. Yeah. Yeah. On their lawn. And I guess the rest of the family's like, that's such a funny prank. What a weird (laughs) thing to do. I feel like Beth should know that. Like that yeah. should just be a thing. That's like true. the the whole town knows, like they've been haunted by this. And you know, we even yeah, get Halloween that scene. Is canceled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We even get that scene where um when Loomis shows up and they find Jamie's body as they're taking her to the, the hospital and you get the kind of neck sheriff and he's like, Nope, Loomis, nope, <laughs> you're out. <laughs> we don't want you here. And he's like, What do you think's going to happen? I'm gonna shoot him six times. <laughs> it's the sixth film. I've gotta shoot him six times. And it's been six years since the last one. Oh my it is Halloween six Devil six time. six. But yeah, I think that the middle of the film is probably. I think overall it is it is paced reasonably well for a slightly mm-hmm. over ninety minute horror film. But I, I I felt like particularly it hurt Kara as a character because I thought she was actually fairly likable and I understood, you know, I I liked her relationship with her son kind of as brief as it is, mm-hmm. um, just in terms of screen time, but. I feel like the middle of the section, the middle section of the movie is where we get into characters just do dumb things to move the story along. And I felt like she suffered a lot because of that. Right. And I I feel like, you know, for the most part, I mean, obviously we do have characters that are coded as being dumb and stupid in these other movies and they do make dumb decisions. 
But I feel like the characters that are supposed to be like very likable and, and we are supposed to empathize with them, they aren't, in this series at least, they typically don't make that many dumb decisions. Mm-hmm. Like the dumbest you get is is Lori in the, the first film dropping the knife the second time. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I did also want to ask for some clarification about that. So at the end, once the cult shows up and they capture Kara and her son, they're trying to transfer the power of the cult to her son Mm -hmm. by killing her and Jamie's baby. Mm -hmm. I'm very confused why we need so many additional deaths to go on Because he has to wipe out the rest of his family. But then they have to wipe out the Strode family too? Yeah, this because well because Jamie is I don't know why the necessary I guess uh, Kara wouldn't actually be blood related to Lori, but uh, that is Lori's grandson. The baby right. is so he has to kill the baby, at least. Okay, but why have the baby in the first place? No. Uh, Oh, well, maybe the idea is that the baby is supposed to be hope. Yes. Is the idea that the baby is supposed to be where they I don't have all the answers here. This is this is what we're going to get into as far as like why I'm just so confused about their approach. Here. But I think sure. maybe the baby was supposed to be the. Like how they're going to who they're going to transfer possession to. And then they found. uh, Kara's son. I don't know why they would do it, or maybe they were, I don't know. But the man in black has been speaking to him, I guess, for a while. Oh, that's true. It, it's it's convoluted. It's convoluted. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. That, uh, Danny and I uh, well, had this, I believe, oh, go ahead. The idea that they explain behind the Sam Hain ritual is that they have to kill a family sacrifice a family to like i don't know i don't know how much of a family they have to i don't know how what size family qualifies for the sacrifice here but look out dom toretto <laughs> oh my gosh i need that <laughs> michael myers joins fast and furious i need okay. i need michael myers to be the villain of the fast and furious of the next fast and furious movie <laughs> We know he can drive. He can drive. He can drive real well. <laughs> um, uh, Danny in his bedroom has a plastic Pachycephalosaurus, like big uh, toy, and I had that same toy as a kid. There so. you go. Uh, and now I'm a voice man, but my eyebrows aren't as impressive, so mm-hmm. as Danny's. But otherwise, you know, good to see myself in a movie. Mm-hmm. He also had a red Power Ranger. There he did. I, I filed. I put this in my representation matters collection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw myself in the movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, also Fast and F- F10. Uh, Michael Myers is in this one. <laughs> it would be glorious. You're telling me. <laughs> and then I have to say, oh, hell no. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. That would be very. Yeah. Because then, like, yeah, he, he, like, throws a car at 
Michael Myers and explodes and it's like, <laughs> I think we got him. And then Michael it's Myers called, shows up again. The tagline is uh, justice for Lori. Justice for Lori. <laughs> or Jamie, I guess. And Michael Myers just keeps coming, but then he like, I don't know, gets in a yeah. a semi truck and and then you did you they have to like redo like they do in the first movie where they're stealing the DVDs off the back of the truck like it's all full, full right. circle because Michael Myers being the final villain of the Fast and Furious franchise that would right. really just like I think be the right <laughs> that really would be perfect the right ending the right capstone there yeah I want that wait Dom, Dom um, why do we have to go to Haddonfield I got some relatives there <laughs> back when. Back when my ancestors got to Ellis Island, they made them change their name from Toretto to Strode. <laughs> That's not even the... I can't do the music, but it's that. Okay, if that got us the opportunity to have Jamie Lee Curtis show up in a Halloween film... That would be so You mean good. the Fast and the Furious movie? Jamie that Lee Curtis too. is Charlize Theron's mom. <laughs> that works. Charlize Theron is a Strode. And that's... That's where... <laughs> Everyone's having to get into that. God, Jamie Lee Curtis would be really good in one of those movies. Michael Myers. Oh my goodness, I want that very badly. Yeah. Um, do we have anything else before I I dive into my notes here? And also, Ronald Reagan is in the movie. <laughs> do we have no, anything that's else? Just Michael about wearing Halloween? a Ronald Reagan mask. <laughs> do we yeah. have anything else about Halloween? The Curse of Michael Myers. Nah, go ahead. I just just one point. I think my overall impression of the producer's cut, and I, I to a certain extent, I understand what they were aiming for with the reshoots. I think it ends up being an inferior product, if you can believe that. Um, but I think I, I wish it was more scary. I think it it is so wrapped up in in kind of connecting all the lore together, and that being its yeah. premise. Um, that it doesn't really focus on anything kind of innovative with with the scares or, mm. you know, it's a lot of scenes of just people walking around a house and then Michael Myers just sneaks up on them when they're distracted by something. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then nothing about the cult was really scary. Um, and it is interesting to compare it with Hereditary, which is horrifying. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, that's 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 kind of my major takeaway. Like, I enjoyed watching it. Um, for what it's worth, but it, I didn't find it scary. Yeah, I would agree. Um, go Kyler, for it, BuzzFeed. My first note is what, Britain? I said, go for it, BuzzFeed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was mean. I didn't mean it to be mean. <laughs> I was trying to be funny. My my first note on this list is how long was that baby in the cabinet? Um, it's more, it's not even necessarily like a thing to be like, it's just, it's just something that, you know, concerns me. Yeah. Uh, cause Jamie puts a baby in the cabinet of the bus station bathroom and Tommy manages to find it by listening to the, uh, the radio replay of her calling into Barry's station. And here's the bus train or the bus schedule going on in the background. Um, which is like a big leap. And it, it, was her plan really to just kind of let this baby starve to death rather than be killed by Michael Myers? I don't, I don't know. Maybe that would have been more humane compared to whatever they were going to do to that poor baby. But uh, I have questions and concerns. Um, the next thing, and this does actually lead me into a larger point that I should have brought up earlier. Um, <laughs> Loomis shows up at uh, 
the Myers house and Deborah, Kara's mom, is there. And he's just like, I came to help. And he has shown up in their house unannounced and uninvited. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and gives like an awkward smile and the scene just cuts um and there's a lot of that especially early on there's a lot of scenes that should take a moment to breathe or take a moment to have something uh sort of resolve have some character react to what's happening and they just don't they're just like we don't feel like playing out this conversation we're not going to address it it's fine fill it fill it in with your imagination um the editing was a little strange at times in this movie um and speaking of Deborah, she is not running any running away from serial killer Olympics. Uh, she, Michael Myers shows up and she freaks out because she's already been freaked out by Loomis uh, explaining the deal with Myers. Um, and she runs, I guess, out the back and down the stairs and like through some clotheslines yeah. to a fence. Yeah. And she's like, oh, because she re- she finds that there's a fence there. And I'm like, you live in this house. You were in the foyer. It Like, how did you not go down the front stairs to the road? How, how was that not the approach? And then she just gets very confused and stumbles through the clothes and dies uh, because Michael Byer stabs her. And in all the commotion, Henry Cavill s- stole a shirt. And some <laughs> all the commotion. Henry Cavill. Oh, he was like, like uh, I could, I could save her, or I could use this distraction to get mo- some new blue jeans. My mommy told me that uh, I don't have to save anybody if I don't want to. So uh, <laughs> she said, "If I don't save anyone, I get a hero cake." So <laughs> yeah, um, it takes. And, my- and Michael turned and said, "Me too, man. Rock on." <laughs> um. It seems to take an entire day for uh, them to cross the street when Tommy shows up and says, like, hey, you should come across the street because this is a haunted house. Um, It goes from day to night between Tommy saying we need to leave and Kara being like, "Okay, fine. And then them getting into Tommy's room in the boarding house. Is across the street. (laughs) (laughs) a little confused they don't seem to pack anything look we we've had day to night in in better movies before so sure i i can give that one a pass. it's just they so logistically set up this is how far uh, far this is like it is right across the street yeah, you yeah, can yeah. see through the windows at the other place <laughs> it's we had to finish weird. the video game tyler we yeah, couldn't yeah, move yeah, there we go Michael Myers is just twiddling his thumbs in the basement like, man, I really didn't think they were going to stay this long. I was hoping to uh, set up. It's not even that hard. I finished it really quick. It's not. <laughs> it's actually a really easy game. Uh, uh, I, I wrote down a question of why didn't he just kill Jamie to begin with? I don't know what that was in response to. I think I was just... Uh, I think you were asking about that um, when she shows up at the farmhouse. And she kind of just, she's walking around for a bit and then she just kind of sh- walks into Michael Myers and he stabs her and she survives that and gets taken to the hospital. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Th- that is. A and good that's where she says, I... you, you can't have the baby, Michael. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's right. Because yes. So they take her to the hospital and then the man in black just shows up and shoots her. Yes. 
and it's like what well, uh, like it was one it would be one thing to just have her she gets stabbed she dies she tells michael myers he can't have the baby okay fine we've written her out of the movie great Cle- cleaned up that loose end we'll move on fine um but dragging it out to then have her get shot in her sleep and it's right after she has like a flashback dream of some sort about the events i think of the uh the last couple movies it's yeah it's so like don't we don't need that we don't need to know that oh she actually was survived and then died and like also michael myers he doesn't he doesn't mess up he did what do you like my dude my dude would kill her wait yeah mike michael myers he 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 goes for that that uh that kill shot if he wants her dead he wants her dead uh, I don't know if there is some reason I'm missing, because also the man in black is like, we have no further need of you, whatever. And I don't know if maybe that was, maybe is the idea that they realize that the baby, no, they wouldn't, they don't know at that point what's happened to the baby. I don't know. I don't know. I did not like that. Maybe it's just to argue that Jamie was in more of the movie. <laughs> sure. Um, the, fan, the fans were like, you killed her off in the first act. Well, technically, so, it was more the end of the second act. Sure. <laughs> um, so now, now here's a point I really want to get into. So they say in this that Michael Myers considers anybody who stays in the house to be family that he must kill. Like, that's explicitly stated. Is that like, oh, that he now believes that anybody who stays in the Myers house, that's who he needs to kill. <clears throat> that that's the throwaway reason for why he's killing the Strodes. Yes, Jamie was not in the Myers house. No, no, and Wait, no. Lori also was not in the Myers <laughs> house. Uh, like well, I, I mean, th- they are his blood blood relatives, right? But like, but then it's like he shifted the definition. Yeah, it's, uh, I think he just wants. I think he just wants more kills. I think he just want, he's just like oh, it's like it's like a kid changing the the rules of the game uh, as yeah. he's playing because he's losing. He's like, actually, I get to kill all these people too because. Uh, and, and family is something family. you choose, Alex. <laughs> it, it's just my my name is Michael Michael Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then, he, and then he slides on the mask. Yes, it's just haven't we already made the joke about Ray Myers, or have we not? I'm yeah. pretty sure we make yeah. some sort of spin on that joke every episode That's of probably this podcast. True. My um, name is Ray. Ray Pitch Perfect. Do 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 do. But I, I was very confused by that. Uh. So I get. Yeah, I guess these strodes, very These strodes are the first people who have stayed in the Myra's house since yes the first because in in part five you know we we go back so, to it and of course it looks wildly different i think this one architecturally is trying to return more to the look in the first film yeah. um which i appreciated but yeah i i think uh i think that's that's supposed to be the the first uh set of folks that have moved in since since the myers uh, sister was killed fascinating yeah anyway that was confusing. Yeah, I, it, it um, is. 
would it have been better if they said, oh, well, Lori was adopted by the Stroods, yeah, like that so makes Michael more sense sees to me. Just, them as part of the family okay, now, now? Now he has to take on the Stroods. Yeah. Like, that Yeah, that checks out to me. Or or, or just, something to do with Danny. Like, Danny, if he's taking over from Michael, then we have to kill his family, too, now? Yeah. So yeah. Michael's just going ahead and taking care of mm-hmm. business? I don't know. Yeah. It's very flimsy. Indeed. Um... I feel like I had another point on that, but I don't care. It's fine. I'll be fine. Um, the, the next thing I have is this movie doesn't know how constellations work. Uh, <laughs> there is the 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 big Myers rune, the the cult rune, the thorn rune. Um, that Tommy says shows up in the sky specifically in the years when Michael Myers comes back to kill. So he's like, oh, it was it was nineteen. Uh, when did the first one come out? Is that 1979? 1980? 78. 78. Okay, I've gone backwards. Uh, he he starts like, listing off the dates that each Halloween each, film yes. comes out. Uh, because these movies have somehow very specifically stuck with, stayed attached to the timeline of when they come out. Um, yeah. But, yeah, he's like, this constellation shows up uh, every one to six years. Uh, <laughs> that's That's not... I, I guess it's supernatural, whatever, it's fine, but that's yeah. not how that works. Uh, well, anyway. I, I was also a, a little uh, confused about, so does it specifically show up on Halloween? Or is it literally that whole year? It's like... Yeah, I don't... I, I don't did he say Halloween? I don't, know. I don't know. He may say it no, 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 on because Halloween on the years where... He knows that Michael Myers is coming because of that constellation... And that's why he calls into the mm. talk show host at least the day before. So he it gave him some advance warning. Okay. So it has to be sometime know. before then. I, it, it's it's not it's silly, but it's supernatural and this movie's already dumb. I'm okay with it. <laughs> um <laughs> let her ride. The uh, I was gonna say uh Miss Blankenship revealing that she was Michael Myers' babysitter is kind of amazing. Um yeah. and horrifying. That actually might have been the most like, oh, like that was kind of creepy because she says that like, oh, he heard voices and that is a fun twist because she's been this deaf lady the whole time who hasn't been paying attention to anything and has been watching classic monster movies on TV. Uh, So I thought that was fun. I was like, sure. In terms of random continuity nonsense, that's fine. Um it's good that we didn't have a, a 15 minute uh, flashback scene showing young Michael Myers, like right. yeah, running yeah. into the cult and, and setting it all up in the first place. I, I I'm okay with that. Just being some exposition to have a little character turn there. Yeah. Um, the, the next thing I have is was Barry family. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the artists we listen to feel like family because That's we, true. We experience their work in very intimate moments. I mean, I've certainly fallen asleep listening to podcasts before. Um, sort of a... So Roman Mars is kind of like my, my cousin. Yeah, sort of a parasocial relationship. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's very much Barry. how... And look, Barry kicks butt, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, and maybe that I was... Think, I think Michael saw that. Michael was like... It's kind of like... It's kind of like when you're playing... Uh, like an RPG and you go, well, I've got to take out the, the heavy first because they're yeah. going to do the most damage. I, I, or I got yeah, yeah. to focus on them. 
And he knew he, Barry's he, gonna kick a lot of butt. He so respected he like, Barry as a threat. He knew Barry was coming right. to the Myers house. He was like, let's knock that out. I don't want to get my butt kicked. And so he kicked his butt. Uh-huh. Like in SpongeBob. Um there, I, I, there is also a point where Kara's trying to run away from Michael um after she discovers Beth and Tim's bodies, and she makes Danny run down the stairs, and then she goes out into the hallway and like shuts the door on Michael. And uh as she goes to the end of the hallway, eventually her mom's body falls through the ceiling, and obviously she freaks out, and then Michael like smashes through the door. And I really like the idea of Michael just standing there, like listening out, like, all right, it's going to be so sick. She's going to wait. She's going to freak <laughs> out. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, she does also bunch kick. A bunch of air horns go off as he slams through the door. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> um, she does also like shove Michael down the stairs towards where her son is hiding. It's fine. Fight or flight, whatever. Um, yeah. That that was a little silly because it's like a, a, a an extended shot as he starts walking down the stairs, and then like the way it's framed, like you you can't tell at first what caused him to trip, mm-hmm. and then he's just tumbling down the stairs. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I guess she was hiding in the shadows or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's silly. Th- at one point during this, I wrote, "Who has the dang baby?" and then. <laughs> like 10 minutes later Paul Rudd's like hey who has the baby and I was like yeah <laughs> good question I guess was the idea that Danny took the baby to Michael because of the voices is that what happened there the baby disappears at some point entirely yeah. I don't know. D- was it was it Danny or did Miss Blankenship have him maybe did, did I miss that was there a point where they handed it off to him well, I, I can't remember if there's a turn when they go back to uh, the boarding house when the cult shows up and grabs them. If there's a tw- if there's a reveal that Mrs. Blankenship has the baby and is holding, I, I don't I can't remember. I'm not sure. I got nothing. Um, <laughs> uh, I did make a note about Loomis's oldest foe being this random dude who's introduced in one scene of the scene at the beginning of the movie and also apparently mm-hmm. was in the first one for a scene. <laughs> um I also made a note of Wind's cloak, which is incredible. Uh Britain, I think you alluded to this, but it's got this amazing like yeah. Halloween store red and black pop up collar thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's quite something. Uh I also made a note of Michael Myers standing awkwardly in the ritual scene just being like <laughs> So good. Yeah, I'm just as confused as you guys are. I got I, it's yeah. all above my head. The bread of bread <laughs> is bread, and also with you, with you. <laughs> it would have been great if, like, after they're doing all the Antonio, you just heard, and also with you, <laughs> Michael. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and then my last thing. I think it is very funny that this this movie and this uh series uh, branch of the series ends with uh michael walking down the longest hallway ever <laughs> after so much of of him walking long distances and covering a ton of ground while people scramble to figure out what to do about him the fact that it's yeah. like all right climactic final moment can you set up the runes while michael walks down a hallway that's literally half a mile long 
with the cloak, right? Isn't he wearing like the full outfit? Maybe. I'm not sure. I'm all, I'm also a little bit confused about it. You know, four potential plans for the sequel. Were they planning on getting him the mask back or because? Yeah, I don't know. Kind of just leaves it with Wynn. Mm-hmm. Although if Loomis is supposed to be in charge of him, maybe that would be a scene where they kind of reunite and he gives him the mask. I don't know. Uh, how did you guys feel about the the very um, quick subplot about the campaign to bring back Halloween? Because I thought that was kind of a neat idea. Yeah, I, I like, wish that like had I said, been more of a yeah. presence. I think that would have been... Yeah. I think if they could have just chucked all the cult stuff out, I think that would have been a lot more fun as if it's just... yeah. Hey, hey, Michael Myers, we, we dare you. Come back and kill us. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Sounds good, no, buddy. I think, yeah. I, I, I've I decided now that agree. I like the idea of Michael Myers with a uh, Wisconsin accent. Um, <laughs> okay, there. Well, I, I guess I'll come over and kill you. <laughs> but he Boy, just but... keeps... He, he he just goes like full on Canadian at a certain point. He just keeps apologizing after he kills people. He's he's watching the, well, them set like up for the festival. Looks like you ran into my knife there. Sorry about that. He's watching <laughs> them set up for the festival, and he's like, "Oh, everything just looks so good on this salad bar. I mean, I think I'm just gonna help myself to some froyo, maybe just a little bit. Of, you know, it's so my. I remember when my when I was young, my. My mom and all her friends came, and they brought them in, and we just we just had a wonderful time. I mean, really, just fantastic. Oh, okay, gotta get my big knife. <laughs> time to go carve up some teens. I do agree with you, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 yeah, same. I think it's a, it, that is a more interesting piece of world building mm-hmm. to me. Um, yeah. What what have the previous movies? Rather than try to explain why the previous movies happened, what are the previous movies causing to happen in this one? Yeah, yeah. And the idea of Halloween having been banned and they're trying to bring it back, I think, is 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 a neat thing to do. And, that's, and then as that's people are dying, the... they're like, maybe the kills look like they're accidents. People are like, well, we can't yeah. cancel the whole festival because one I, guy got his arm in a thresher. I was kind of disappointed that they, that they killed off Barry that quickly because I, f- yeah. I was hoping that he was going to be more of a through line character of, oh, now, you know, he's going to continue to, you know, be a skeptic and say that there's actually nothing wrong. And then, oh, no, he's going to get murdered by Michael Myers. Like, I thought that's yeah. more where that was going. And he gets killed pretty quickly after he's yeah. like, yeah, let's go to the Myers house. So. I don't know. Some of the stuff I responded to the most in, in the sequels is is how the town responds. Mm-hmm. So like whenever that happens, I, I kind of get get excited. My ears perk up like and in the second film when they're destroying the Myers house or in the fourth film where we kind of get our our ragtag team of rednecks mm-hmm. uh, yeah. accidentally gunning down someone who is not Michael Myers. Uh, yeah, I, I always like that stuff. And I. I I wish one of these these movies would make that the premise. I think I totally agree with you, Tyler. I think they could have nixed the uh, the cult stuff altogether and yeah. just gone with that. And the man in black could just be a really uh, dedicated cosplayer. Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, just no. What they should have done is just make the man in black Loomis and be like, he totally lost his mind. Yeah. Like he completely flipped. Like I just that do that. Fun. It's fine. I'm the I'm not the doctor that Haddonfield deserves, but I'm the one it needs right now. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, there yeah. are about a million more interesting answers for who the man in black could have been than to have it be it's cult leader because supernatural possession it's fine yeah i concur but sam hayne mm-hmm. the seed went... that i guess it's not out of continuity because the only movie where they pronounce it as Samhain is the one that has nothing to do with this correct so i guess it's fine uh, you know the, the only reason i'm saying that is because that's how they say it in hell no no, no completely yeah. like that that's what i that the yeah. movie i was gonna say the movie's reverted but i guess in the actual continuity they've always said it that way interesting um, Alex, what have I given the movies? What have I given two, four, and five? They're all just two, D, right? Two, you downgraded to a D plus. Okay. Four, D plus. Five, D minus. This is a D. Okay. And I don't know why. I don't know why I've rated these movies when I've rated them, but it's a D. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a feeling. It's a, yeah, I, you gotta yeah, go with really. intuition. Yeah. Tyler, um, what did I give the last two? One? The last four, one I got an F plus. What did I give two? Two, you gave a C plus, and three, I gave an F. Three, you gave a D. D. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go D plus with this one. Um. Yeah. I think that's about where i'm at it's not very good but there's there's just enough there for me to not totally be like yeah. this like throw it out the baby with the bath water mm-hmm. yeah i'm i'm having a tough time trying to decide because i it, it is kind of comparing it to the theatrical cut this is i think significantly better but it's still bad you yeah, know what i yeah. mean yeah. so it's like how do i how do i grade that yeah, I'm, I'm kind of stuck between like C minus and D plus. So Tyler, I, I think I'll, I'll just stick with you. Um, I'm, I'm giving it the same grade that I gave five. I'll mm. give it a D plus. So I'll stick with that. Um, I think the theatrical cut's probably like a D minus. So it's not. I heard online that it was like such a significant improvement, and it's not. It fills in some holes. There's more character scenes, but overall, it's the same story except for the ending. Sure. So, yeah, before we do recommendations, Alex, do you want to give us your the thing about the theatrical cut, like the differences in the yeah. Pleasance? I, I will try and, and jump through these uh, as quick as I can. So the main focus with the theatrical cut is editing it. So it's much quicker and it's much scarier. It also needs about 50,000 disclaimers for flashing lights and potentially getting a seizure from the film. Mm-hmm. Um the o- like the very opening of the film is just a bunch of quick cuts with white screens of like shots throughout the film and then it cuts to Jamie giving birth it's it, it's very very weird it, it's it's almost like they're trying to cut it like it's a music video um sure specifically a music video from the mid 90s so sure. there's that um so they amp up the violence and the score a lot um for most of the kills they add in like extra insert shots that make the kills just much more gory. Um, and I'll get into a few examples of that. And then the score is much more like rock and roll and guitar work, like electric mm. guitar work. So cool. <laughs> this movie sounds awesome. I, I, I preferred the more uh, traditional Alan yeah. Howarth 
kind of John was, was the title it written in like spray paint graffiti font. Um, I don't believe so. <laughs> I would have to go back mm. and check. Um, but so uh, Jamie, uh, uh, Tyler, going to your point about kind of the weird way that Jamie is killed in this movie in the theatrical cut, she is killed at that farmhouse. Uh-huh. Uh, so most of the hospital stuff is supposed to be, it, it's placed in the context of her body has been taken to get examined and they do the, uh, the autopsy on her body. That's, that's kind of why Paul Rudd shows up to find Loomis and, and that's the context for that. But the way that she's killed is much, much more violent. It's not just she gets shot in the head while she's sleeping. Instead, there's some farming equipment that Michael, like, throws her on. And so she's, like, getting stabbed through the back into her gut. And she has the same line where she says, you know, you'll never get the baby, Michael. And then I think there's a moment where she almost, like, she's trying to grab Michael or something. And he, like, pushes her even more on it. And then he starts up like it's in it's a, a an electrical device and he starts it up and it starts like moving. And so she's she's like screaming, like shrieking as she dies. It's good. And it's it's for the purposes of editing a movie down, it makes sense, but it's a much worse way for the character to go, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's fairly insulting. Um on the other hand, uh, the father, when he gets thrown into the electrical box, um, the electricity is so intense that his head explodes. <laughs> Good. Okay, I'm not against that. So I feel like um, I feel like that's that's one moment that should have been kept in this cut because I feel like both of you would have enjoyed that. Yeah, probably. That's fun. Um, most of uh, Doctor Wynn's scenes early on in the film were cut out. Hmm. So the twist that he ends up being the mastermind behind it all is like completely out of left field. And it's like, okay, who th- this guy. Okay. Um, Which is also it, it how, it, how it feels anyway, but yeah, but, but even worse, like uh, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like ev- everything in the producer's cut, it's like, yeah, this doesn't really work. It works even less. <laughs> the theatrical cut. Um, so th- that's kind of all the main changes. It's mo- like I said, it's mostly just kind of, keeping the pacing even faster don't really linger on anything um but the changes mostly come in with the third act so um kara's been captured danny's been captured uh loomis and tommy uh are just like we've been drugged i didn't see that happen but we've been drugged we've got to go rescue them uh so they go to the sanitarium and instead of kara being the centerpiece of another cult ceremony. She's just been put in one of the rooms in the asylum. So she's just kind of locked away for reasons. And so Tommy and Loomis split up. Loomis goes to confront when Tommy goes to save Kara. And there's a scene where Tommy runs into like another insane asylum patient because apparently they still keep people there. And it's just kind of a, a cheap scare Oh, it's a crazy person. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Michael ends up chasing uh, Tommy and Kara into, I guess it's like the medical ward of the building, where we find out that, no, it's not cults, and it's not like possession or whatever, because of the constellations, it's genetic engineering or something. Okay. Okay. 
when is there and he tells one of the cult members to take off the 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 cape and he's like oh it's we don't need the costumes anymore <laughs> it's almost like an insult to the people that made the the, mm-hmm. the producer's cut and so they're doing some kind of operation in the lab i i could not tell what they were doing danny's just kind of being kept in another room but i don't remember there being any guards or anything tommy and kara end up finding danny and they're trying to figure out how to get out. Michael just walks in and murders everyone in the lab. Okay. <laughs> no context for any of this. He just starts chopping people up. Uh, so they, not, end, not they, end up, they end up running away. They wander into another lab in another part of the building. I don't know. I, I was very confused by what was happening. Where there's like, you know, like the scene in... in uh, like alien resurrection where they're seeing like the failed versions of trying to clone Ripley. They're like failed clone babies or whatever, like Mm. in, in little jars and and whatnot. And it's like, it's just a very weird location. Um, and so Michael chases them in there. Somehow they're able to distract him long enough. And then Paul Rudd just like beats him up with a pipe. (laughs) Okay. And, like, he, he falls on the ground, and it's just a montage of Paul Rudd just, like, slamming this pipe against Michael mm. Myers' head as Kara and Danny this. run out. And the best part was there's a wonderful ending shot where Paul Rudd is, like, tired, and he's exhausted, and he just, like, throws it to the ground, like, with disdain. <laughs> and I'm like, please tell me that's Paul Rudd. Not not playing the, the character. That's just him. Like I'm fed up with this nonsense. I'm gonna go do Clueless now. Um, but then after that, uh, that's when we get the scene of Loomis. Well, I think they're able to edit it so the scenes where Loomis shows up in the the like white hallway to help them try and escape, like that was merged Trash. in a way that wasn't distracting. Um. But, you know, he tells them, I have some unfinished business. They end up leaving. And then it fades to black, and you just hear the screams that Loomis has when he's getting the, the thorn marking on his on his arm. But the way it's cut, it's like, oh, I guess Michael just kills him. And then it, it like, falls on Michael's mask in that lab, and, like, the body's gone. So I guess Michael just killed him. Cut to black in memory of Donald Pleasance. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, that's worse. Yeah. Sure. So it's it's a ending. lot more confusing. I had no idea what was happening so, the last twenty minutes, but it was interesting. But no, yeah, that makes sense to me. So so Michael Myers is a mutant, um, and they <laughs> Win is actually Mister Sinister, which explains the cloak. <laughs> they uh, grafted him with adamantium bones, so that's why he's unkillable. Uh, and then they're trying to clone him. Like X-23. I get it. Yeah, I'm here for that. <laughs> That's fascinating. That's quite... And it was... um Apparently it was like... It was between the producers and also the Weinstein brothers. And like it was a whole thing of figuring yeah. out what the final edit of the movie was going to look like. And it sounds like the Weinstein brothers won out. Um, shocker. Uh, and... Yeah, it's 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 a fascinating disaster. Sure. Um I I would say I'd probably give it a D minus. Maybe if I rewatched it it would be an F, but it's it's not good. So, like I said, going back, 
comparing it with the producer's cut, the producer's cut actually feels like somebody's vision and not mm. just like it almost feels like what I imagine the David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad is, mm. where it's not good, but it makes sense and I can tell what he was trying to do. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's at the very least coherent. Yeah. I, I think that's that's the general vibe I'm getting from from this. So I yeah. gotcha. Cool. cool. So I um I have two recommendations because the movie I'm gonna recommend I, I like, but I can't fold my throw my full weight behind it. Um and that movie is called Happy Together. This is a Wong Kar Wai movie from nineteen ninety seven or ninety six. And it stars Leslie Chung and my man Tony Lung. Oh yeah. Um, it is about these two men who are this very toxic relationship where they're constantly breaking up and getting back together and breaking up and getting back together. And they, in, in order to start a new life, they have moved from Taiwan to Argentina, I believe specifically Buenos Aires. And, um, they separate on the way there and then reunite in the city. And it's about the sort of. This, there's this incredibly passionate but deeply flawed relationship between these two people who both over-communicate and don't communicate effectively. Um, it's, it's a, the title is obviously ironic, and it's not what I would call a, a chipper viewing experience, but it is, I think it is nicely made. Um, it looks beautiful. It, the movie goes back and forth between being in black and white and being in color. And both uh, uh, palettes, I guess, have, I mean, just stunning images. I mean, there's really gorgeous photography in it by, I believe, by Christopher Doyle, who shot um, In the Mood for Love. And I want to say he shot Hero. And uh, it is, I would actually say, one of Tony Lung's best performances. I saw this years and years and years ago and just rewatched it because it's on HBO Max. And, I mean, he's he's always good, but he is really stellar in this. So... If, if you want to watch a Wong Kar Wai movie, I would start with In the Mood for Love or Ashes of Time or something. But I think uh, I, I can recommend it based on how, how beautiful it is and how good Tony Lung is. Um, the, the one heads up I will give people is that there's uh, it opens with and peppered throughout the movie. There is very frank and. Um, I will say deliberate uh, sexuality. <laughs> um, it's not there's not assault or anything it's just it's very it's two men who like each other but also don't like each other being physically intimate so there's a lot of that uh it's it's intense uh but it's 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 good um the thing that i will that i really did enjoy this i'm sure everyone who listens to the show has already seen this but i finished season one of jessica jones and loved it um i am i'm doing it i'm taking on the marvel netflix universe and uh, I've, you know, doing the recommended watch order. So I did Daredevil season one, which I'd seen before and was still very good. And this is my first time. I'd seen some of Jessica Jones and I made it all the way through the first season. And I, I thought it was just spectacular. Um, funny enough, we were talking about Hereditary. Watching this, it kind of felt like when we rewatched Hereditary, because before we watched it, I would say, oh, you know, I think Hereditary does such a good job because there are whole stretches of that movie where it's not about the demon stuff and it's just about the family drama. And then when we re- when we watched it for the podcast, I went, the movie's always about the demon stuff. What am I talking about? Like, it always relates back in some way. And I felt that way about the superhero stuff and Jessica Jones that both 
Ari Aster and the folks who made Jessica Jones do such a good job of blending everything together and making all the superpower stuff allegorical to the not superpower stuff mm-hmm. and having them inform and affect each other uh, that I, I, I was consistently like not even thinking about the fact that it was about superpowers, even though it is constantly, nakedly, openly about superpowers. And it is such a great... Well, I am myself not a survivor of this, but having heard from people, I know the response to Jessica Jones is very positive about survivors of assault and manipulation Mm -hmm. facing their their, uh, abuser, but also facing their own trauma. It explores that really, really effectively. Um, And I also, I think, had this misperception of Jessica Jones that, you know, she was just going to be this like, oh, she's so cool because she's like, she drinks a lot and she DGAF, you know, like she's just so like mean and that makes her cool. And that is not the character at all. Mm. Like the character is very shut off, but the performance is so vulnerable and so open. And I, I thought Kristen Ritter was just fantastic. Obviously, she very funny and she hits all the comedic beats really well but like she it's such a great performance and then carrie ann moss and rachel taylor and aka darville and mike coulter and uh, david Tennant, of course is fantastic in it uh, i just was a really really big fan i have no idea what comes in seasons two and three um like i've, I've i have seen everything that i have already seen of the marvel netflix stuff so everything i'm watching from here on out will be brand new to me and i'm excited to see uh, next is going to be Daredevil season two, so I'm excited to see. Uh, uh, John Bernthal is Frank Grillo in Daredevil, so that'll be fun. Um, <laughs> and no, I'm I'm looking forward to that. But I, if if you are somebody out there who has an interest in Jessica Jones, I would definitely check the old content advisory first. It's bloodier than Daredevil, at least the, in the first seasons. Like Daredevil has some gruesome stuff, but Jessica Jones is like bloody. And it obviously deals with some not bloody, but very serious issues. Uh, and Aaron Moriarty from The Boys is in it. And that's great, because she's great. Uh, and Clark Peters. A lot of great stuff. But I really, really liked it. So I, I highly recommend it with the caveat of it's it, it does get pretty dark, but it handles it very responsibly. And I would recommend Happy Together with the, like, it's all right. You know, I think it's good. It looks gorgeous. Tony Lung's great. Uh, that is, of course, on HBO, and naturally, Jessica Jones is on Netflix, and maybe in She-Hulk. Fingers crossed. I'm looking forward to that show. So, that's what I've been up to. Who else? Thank you for having two recommendations, because I don't have one this week. Um, <laughs> I watched more of the Batman 66 show, and it's awesome. Nice. So, nice. I am I am really, really enjoying it. Um, one uh, final thing I wanted to say about Halloween 6 the screenwriter of it is Daniel Ferens. And I don't know if either of you recognize that name, but he is a pretty notorious writer, producer, director. He did The Haunting of Sharon Tate. Whoa, which dear me. is a pretty notoriously offensive and bad uh, yeah. film starring Hilary Duff uh, that came out in 2019 the same year as once upon a time in hollywood so yeah i um i have not seen haunting of sharon tate but i listened to the flop house do an episode on it and i have my issues with once upon a time in hollywood i definitely think i would be more bothered by haunting of sharon tate (laughs) comparing the two 
Oh, my goodness. According to Rotten Tomatoes, he was also an executive producer on The Tooth Fairy. So there's our rock <laughs> there uh, connection. I, that My recommendation this week is The Tooth Fairy starring Dwayne <laughs> Rock Johnson. Probably <laughs> fine. A Maybe movie I bad. have not seen. It has a um, 25%. Let's go. Probably fine. Um, <laughs> I did have a, a recommendation this week for once. Uh, I'm going to continue uh, singing Apple TV's praises, apparently. Mm. Um, <clears throat> they have a... Uh, or the the filming of the musical Come From Away, um, yeah. which I watched. Uh, it, I think it piqued my interest because on 9-11... It had come up as something that's related to 9-11. Um, and I heard a lot of people saying it was awesome. Uh, I, I confirmed with Britain, a resident yep. musical expert, to see <laughs> uh, if what what his thoughts were. He said, go for it. So um, watch it. And I thought it was a really beautiful, sweet um, work, of, work of art. It is yeah. basically about a small town in Newfoundland, Canada, um, that that has to take in a bunch of people after all planes are grounded following nine 11. Um, so it's about like people's reactions to nine 11, but also trying to figure out how they're going to manage all these people because it's a, it's a very small town and they just don't have the resources and logistics to care for the population, like doubling from all these planes landing um, because that it was like the closest airport and the airport with the most capacity for those planes to land. And it's it's all the locals having to deal with that and the new people having to deal with that and also being stressed out about the state of the world and not knowing what's going on in the U.S. Really interesting premise. Um, I believe it's based on a book that is in turn based on like a lot of direct interviews with people who were involved in the situation. And um, there's like photos matching up the actors with the real life people at the um, end of this presentation of the the musical there's like a credits role that that has that so that's really neat um just a really cool uh sometimes stressful but also overall heartwarming i would say um or at least at least reflective uh experience that gets into um a lot of interesting and uh definitely deep and emotional topics and, and scenarios um it's really good. And also, of course, the music is a ton of fun. <laughs> I guess that's that's an yeah, important that's key to a musical. Um, it's great. A lot of fun. Um, couple yeah, of... I have not gotten to watch that, but I, I've listened to the cast album. And I was like listening to it as I was driving around doing errands however many years ago. And I remember like walk every time I would like walk into a store, I would have to like wipe my eyes because I had mm. been crying listening to the album um, in the best way. Like it's incredibly moving and like there's there's the one of the things that i really love about the show because I, I remember seeing him perform on the tonys nobody in that show looks like a star they all just look like mm-hmm. human people you know what i mean just they're like they're very very talented actors but they're all like character actors yep um which is really neat and i remember one of them who plays the pilot has a song called me in the sky that's really yes. really lovely but also it has this line at the end that's just like mm-hmm. gutting um and also the performance at the Tonys when the band comes out and is singing and playing with the actors as they're doing the number, I like started, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Like <laughs> something about seeing the band in a theater for that, that like hits me for some sure. reason or when they become incorporated into the staging. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful show. I'm, I'm, 
one day I hope I will get to see the tape recording, but just listening to the album, like so much of it comes across through that. So yeah, I, I can definitely second it. It's a, I'm glad you guys watched it. Cause I, mm-hmm. that not, not to be, you know, petty or whatever, but that, that came out the same season as Dear Evan Hansen, which obviously uh, that is actually to... how it got on my, somebody was talking about that sure. I think on Twitter was saying like, okay, I love the fact that people are praising this now because it lost out to Dear Evan Hansen for, be, yeah, 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 because musical or best musical. I think uh, it, it come from only one for directing. Mm. Um, but I remember that year, like, and you know, you can compare art, and it doesn't really matter. But like, we were. I, I remember that that became the thing of like, Darren Hansen was the big hit. But then there were a lot of people, me included, who were like, "Yeah, sure." But like, if you heard "Come From Away," like, it's amazing. Mm. <laughs> it was kind of the sleeper hit, and that. I think it was still running before COVID closed the theaters. I don't know if it's going to reopen, but like, I was it, glad that the, it hung on. It, this is actually a taped recording from a post. Like, everyone in the audience oh, had masks. Wow. Um, oh, cool. They, they okay. staged it a little bit in the introduction and frame uh, yeah. where it's being filmed. Um, well, okay, well, that's good. So I'm glad like, then that it's hanging on. Yeah, during COVID, basically, they had to adapt. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's not the kind of show that would survive on broadway these days and there's not a lot of big names attached to it so i'm glad that something that heartfelt and that genuinely well made is is thriving um yeah beautiful show beautiful show we have almost managed to create segueing a two-hour podcast about halloween the curse of michael myers if you (laughs) just cannot get enough of this content uh, i want to hear us talk about halloween h2o just H2O? Halloween 20? I don't remember what the actual title is now. Um, me... If you want to hear us talk for four hours about that, you can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at sequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, Music, Amazon Music, The Things, yeah. The Works. So... The title really feels like they came up with multiple options. It was just like, just do it all. It's Halloween H2O colon 20 years later. Fascinating. Okay. <laughs> That's a bad title. This franchise might have the worst titles of any of that. I think it does. <laughs> um, people pick it Fast and Furious. I think that naming convention is pretty great. Fast and this Furious has a lot is... of fun with it. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is just... This is, this is every two movies we freak out and feel like the title is a problem, so we have to change it. <laughs> right. Even though the title is not the problem. Um, fascinating. Well, but it'll be good to see Jamie Lee next week. And it'll be good to, to see our listeners. That's right. We can see you. I've been Britain. <laughs> hey, put that down. Um, I, I, I can't see you. I've, I've got my got my camera turned off so you can't see me either um i've been alex uh i can't see you but i can hear you <laughs> and i've been Tyler. <laughs> and you're having a happy halloween